It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, only one preseason game remains for your Toronto Raptors, and so it's time to start thinking about what we've learned about the team through four preseason games so far, and we're going to do that with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. We've got three things each that we've learned so far in the last couple weeks of preseason hoop. We'll talk about them on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1258 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October the... God, I couldn't even begin to tell you. October the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Post Touches, a Toronto Raptors blog. You can go subscribe on Substack for free or pay money if you want. That's uh, either appreciated either way, but you can go check out Post Touches wherever you get substacks which is substack.com uh you can also find me on twitter at woodley sean you can follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps you can also go to youtube and hit the big red subscribe button to support the show in video form each and every day it's all very much appreciated and uh thank you so much for you know hanging out we've had done a show since thursday just for a little thanksgiving break also was licking my wounds and kind of getting back into the idea of talking about sports after the blue jays collapse over the weekend and so uh, we dig in now to your Toronto Raptors in the final week of the preseason. We're going to dig into sort of big picture takeaways from what we've seen over the last four games. And we're going to do that with our pal Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic as we dig into the things we've learned about the Raptors so far. Jamar, how are you, man? I'm doing okay. Glad to have you on the show, buddy. Uh, we are very happy to have you back, and uh, it's always a good time when you're on the show. So let's dive in, Jamar, shall we, to the things we've learned about the Raptors so far. I will put it to you. What is thing number one that you think we've learned about the Raptors in the last four games? Well, the first thing I think I think the biggest takeaway so far is the uh, play of Delano Benton. Mm-hmm. Um lot of positive signs and this is a guy who hasn't really had a break since the season ended i mean he's i don't know how old he is 22 21 he doesn't really need a break but <laughs> but um you know he went from from the end of the nba season to playing in summer league um mm-hmm. and then he was um you know doing the runs with the rest of the team with Rico Hines and then he was playing in the uh, FIBA America Cup in um, Brazil mm-hmm. so uh, he's gotten a lot of reps which has helped his game and we've kind of seen the results in the preseason he talked about uh, the FIBA he talked about FIBA after after this latest game against the Bulls saying that you know it's those games helped his handle and things like that because um, 
they foul a lot more there in Brazil. <laughs> it's a lot more physical. So it's, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of toughened them up a bit. Um, Nick Nurse has given him a lot of uh, credit for on both sides of the ball. You know, running sets, doing his thing in transition, which is something he's already been really good at. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you know, playing weak side defense, getting deflections, things like that. And even um, you know, Fred Vavlitsa appears to me to be a hard guy to impress but even fred was like um you know, you know he looks like a guy who's ready to ready to make the rotation so mm-hmm. you know that's a from coming from one of your all-stars that's a pretty ringing endorsement absolutely and uh so just to peek behind the curtain as to how we put this episode together we each have three things on hand we didn't reveal to each other what those three things are and my number one thing is banton gotta play so we are on the same page here delano banton I fit, I fit uh yeah, I, I mean, he has been, look, the, the preseason for me, I'm not necessarily worried about the guys who we know. I feel like once the regular season starts, like I'm not worried about Scotty or Pascal or Fred or any of these guys who aren't hitting their threes or whatever. Like right. they're pros, they'll figure it out. Um, you know, I think Scotty, it's worth watching a little bit, but frankly, all I needed from the starters was one half of good basketball. And we got that against the, uh, the Bulls on Sunday. So cool. All I need from the preseason there. With Banton, though, like it's been a recurring storyline ever since, I guess, the first day of practice out in BC, where they talked about, uh, you know, Banton kind of looking as good as anybody else in camp. Nick Nurse was pretty uh, effusive in his praise at the very beginning of camp there, and it's just continued on through. And he looks fantastic. He looks like he might be a guy who can sort of help with the Raptors' issues getting to the rim. Um, you know, that's a thing they've talked about quite a bit. And he's really fast. He can get downhill. He, you know, seems to just sort of burst through gaps in a really impressive way. And he can help there. Obviously, the defense, we know he's going to help sort of the turnover machine and all of that. He's going to help the transition game. And I guess the big question, and it still is a question, is how can he operate in the half court when things kind of slow down? But, you know, these are things that he'll figure out, and I'm not too worried about. I don't think there's going to be many situations where he's asked to be, like, the main guy with the ball in his hands every time down the floor. So I don't think that's that much of a concern, honestly, right now. The things he's doing on the margins are really impressive. I I guess the question comes in, we kind of, I think, all sort of assumed there's a nine-man rotation that's a a little bit entrenched here. you got the five starters, you got Precious, Boucher, you've got Otto Porter and Thad Young. And maybe it's just a simple matter of Nick Nurse plays more than nine guys and they spread the minutes around and everybody's happy. I get the sense that that's not Nick Nurse's way of doing things just based on watching Nick Nurse do things for the last many number of years. And so I do wonder, like, is there someone who could be at risk of losing minutes to Ben if he is going to be part of the rotation? For you, Jamar, is there someone who comes to mind as like, oh, maybe that's the guy you swap out for Banton in certain cases? Well... He's not really part of the rotation, but I feel like the guy that's getting hurt by this most is Malachi Flynn. Mm, yep. <laughs> uh, because, you know, he the first game in in Edmonton against Utah, he was having a pretty good game too. And then mm-hmm. he gets, you know, he gets hit in the face, fractures the cheekbone out for out until the regular season. So it's like this guy can't catch a break. So no. I I don't see I don't see a situation where both Flynn and Bain would get in the game. It's kind of like either one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, if they wanted to go 10 deep. But I do think that, and this is going to go into my next topic a little bit later, but I do think that Nurse is going to use, you know, more guys because I think, especially last year, when we would run like seven deep sometimes, mm-hmm. which is crazy, I felt like there's like a lot of trust issues with the rotation. But sure. I feel like there's more continuity now. But I'll get, I'll get into that a little bit later. 
That's a tease, That's baby. A tease. We love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And look, I almost had it down on my notes here. Like maybe the Raptors should just play 12 guys is one of the things we learned. Didn't quite go with that as one of my three mm-hmm. things. But there's an argument to be made that you spread it out like they are so interchangeable and all these guys kind of fit together in weird ways that it might make sense to kind of extend things out so you can get the different looks and the sort of complements of skills that you want. Uh, and Banton would obviously be a beneficiary of that. If they only go 9 or 10, I still think Banton probably based on merit deserves to be in there obviously Kem Birch is a guy who get hurt by this as well because he kind of feels like the 10th guy and maybe it's a situation where Banton or Birch depending on the matchup is kind of the guy that you bring in there but I do think and this is hard for me to say as a man who loves the work of one Thad Young but I do kind of think if there is going to be a guy in that main nine nine man group that we kind of all assumed was the rotation coming in who loses minutes to a guy like Banton I think it could be Thad just because Thad is the weirdest fit with all of these lineups, right? Like, he doesn't really shoot. You know, he's hit a couple threes in preseason. That's been nice to see. But he's also kind of hesitant. Like, it can kind of die with him a little bit at times until he kind of goes into his weird sort of back down post game to sort of save a possession in the back half of the shot clock. But I do wonder if just the extra sort of infusion of speed that Banton brings, the sort of more north-south that he brings than Thad does, like, I wonder if that's a bit of a a thing that they want to have worked into their second units a little bit. And they had a lineup they ran with in that Bulls game that I thought was kind of interesting. It was Banton with Gary Trent Jr. kind of as the main guy. Uh, it, it was pretty fun to watch there for a little section there late in the first, early second, I think. Uh, they had Thad, and they also had Hernan Gomez out there, and I think they had Precious with them too. Um, I've kind of viewed Hernan Gomez as just like the auto Porter stand-in until Porter's ready to go, and then... You know, the last spot in that lineup, you know, Thad was in there, but I think had Chris Boucher been healthy for that game, maybe that's a Boucher spot. You get the precious Boucher combo. You get Trent just kind of carrying the offense himself. You get Banton and, um, you know, Otto in there as sort of the guys who are sort of flanking it. And I wonder if maybe that's a decent second unit look you can go to if you're trying to get Gary Trent Jr. some looks and, you know, do the whole feed all of the mouths that you have to feed type of thing. And I, I didn't hate how that lineup looked. I think they were pretty positive. It's impossible to find good preseason numbers, so I can't back that up with stats right now. But um, it looked good to me, and I wonder if maybe that's a way to kind of get Banton in there and if Thad maybe becomes the guy who gets hurt by that. What are your thoughts on Thad maybe being the odd man out if Banton is like a very legit full-fledged piece of the rotation? Well, Nurse has only been playing Thad about five, six minutes per game in the preseason on mm-hmm. purpose. Like he's mentioned yeah. that. He said that he said that Thad's gonna get a lot more minutes in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's given him kind of a break because he's had a lot. He's had a long off season. <laughs> yeah. So I kinda don't know how to evaluate that the Thad minutes until the regular season because he's Good just point. Yeah. So that that one's tough. But you did mention about the uh, end of the first quarter lineups. Um, Nurse also talked about trying different guys there, like to handle the ball, because we've seen mm-hmm. Banton run some half court stuff too, which is another yeah. is another thing that impressed Nurse. So you know he has done some of uh, like running Spain actions with like Hernan Gomez at the top of the, uh, 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 blanking, but <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> just to, just like yeah. running running at, running actions to hit threes from like, like from straight away. So we've mm-hmm. seen Ben run the offense a little bit, which is, you know, why Nurse was praising him so much. 
For sure. Um, I think everyone's agreed. Delano Banton rocks. It'd be really fun if he had a big part of this team this season because just the style with which he plays, obviously, you get the local ties and everything like that. The Express 45 tie-ins are always fun, but he just looks like he's a good basketball player, man, and he looks like he's ready probably for some run here. And uh, that is the thing we have learned to start things off here. We're going to dive into a couple more things we've learned coming up in just a sec here, Jamar. We will do that very momentarily. But first, got to tell you, but our friends over at Built Bar, who are fantastic, you got to try them out. They've got bars, they got marshmallow puffs as well, which are fantastic. They've got all sorts of stuff for you to check out at their website, and all of it is good for you. You got to try their new favorite flavor as well, the cookie dough chunk puff. It's a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And the best part is you can eat it without any guilt because it's not loaded with all the crap that you get in a typical candy bar. You get 160 calories for the average bar. That's way less than you're getting in a typical candy bar and 15 grams of protein and that's the collagen protein baby that's the good stuff for you that's what half your body's built of i think or so biology class tells me so go get a built built bars get their built bar puffs they're all great for you and can make you feel like you're being indulgent which without actually being that which is music to my ears as someone with a sweet tooth who likes a snack late at night built bars are a great replacement for all the crap i typically shovel into my gullet uh if you're going for the new cookie joe cookie dough chunk puff or any other bars you go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 sorry that is locked on 15 and get 15 percent off your order that's the promo code locked on 15 all one word to get 15 percent off at built.com go and check them out this is jake from locked on Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the things we have learned about the Raptors so far in the preseason with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Jamar, what is thing number two that you have learned about the Raptors from the preseason? Actually, why don't you go first? Let's alternate this, just in case. All right. I'm stealing. I'm, I'm stealing your. I'm stealing your ideas. I want. I want to see yours first. I appreciate you allowing me the thunder. It's it's great. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think for me, the thing I've learned here is that it's probably going to not be right away for Scotty Barnes as a ball handler, and that's fine. Uh, I think they have formulas to make it work without having to have Scotty have a huge burden, you know, initiating possessions. And look, maybe that's disappointing to some. Maybe people thought he was going to come in with this beautiful vision of the floor, the pick and roll reads, everything that you want to see from an on-ball guy. But look, he's 21 years old. It's going to take some time here. And I do think that because it maybe seems like Scotty needs to do a little bit of work with the ball handling stuff, Maybe they roll with what they did for much of the first half, where Scotty is the screener in pick and rolls. Pick and rolls, baby! They never do it, but they did it against the Bulls. It was beautiful. 
You get Scotty working as your center. You can run Pascal, OG, Fred, even Gary as the ball handler in those situations. You get Scotty on the short roll. It wasn't like perfect results in that game on Sunday. He, you know, seven points, eight boards. You know, he had some misses here and there. But I do think that might be the way to milk the most out of this half-court offense. It keeps Pascal from having to run every single possession and being run into the dirt, same with Fred Van Vliet. Um, what are your thoughts on maybe sort of reallocating the Scotty Barnes resource to be more of a center, middle-of-the-floor sort of operator as opposed to a downhill with the ball in his hands option? Like, it maybe seemed like he was going to be in, in a pretty prominent role at the start of the preseason. That's not, that's not to say that he shouldn't do that either. Like, you should obviously get him the reps with the ball in his hands, but it does seem like he's still kind of figuring out the lay of the land, the angles, the sort of ways in which he can attack. And so it's not going to be an overnight, okay, immediately he's just running everything with the ball in his hands. What are your thoughts on, you know, what you've seen from him as a ball handler and how he might operate as a center within this team to sort of get that offense flowing a little bit for that starting group, which has had some struggles offensively in the past? Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think there's like a defined place in the offense for Scotty. I think he's going to be, I think he's, gonna be like the Swiss Army knife to do a bunch of different stuff. So sure. Future basketball player, Permisai yeah. Ojiri. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're gonna try they're gonna try a bunch of different stuff with him. So in terms of in terms of you know, like you said, they, they may use him as a center sometimes. They may still wanna use him, you know, running running the point, going downhill sometimes. It's just mm -hmm. it's one of those things that I think is gonna develop over the course of the season. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint one way they're gonna use sure. Scotty. I think just I think they're just gonna use him all over the place. Um, the turnovers are pretty high in the preseason, but mm -hmm. I it I'm taking a wait and see approach with Scotty because I know he's just gonna be used in a bunch of different ways. 100%. And, and I'm not to say, I'm not here saying that you should just use him like he's Mitchell Robinson or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Like no, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to kind of break him out. I, I just, I think it's more of a sort of trying to temper expectations thing a little bit from me in that it's going to take some time for yeah. him to really figure out yeah. this on ball stuff. And the beauty of that is that he can be used in a million different ways as he's figuring out that on ball stuff. Which is pretty great, and, and I I don't know what did you think about that sort of they basically spammed it for for sections of that game against the Bulls the sort of Scotty screening for Fred and just kind of letting everything flow from that. What did you think of the way that looked in that Bulls game on Sunday? And is that something you'd like to see as like a pretty regular sort of floor alignment for the Raptors? It, I could it could work. I could see mm -hmm. that working. Um, you bring up a great point about the pick and rolls. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I, would, I didn't, honestly, honestly, I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. So yeah, that would be cool too. Just you know, yeah, add some different things to the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's nice because, like, you get Pascal space to the corners. That's a place where he's been really successful. Even, you know, in his down seasons, he's been a pretty consistent corner three-point shooter. Um, I think there's different things you can run, too, where, you know, maybe you get Scotty, you know, getting screened for by OG, for example. You run a little pick and pop with that. You can still space. It just feels like that's the most space that they can achieve is just by using Scotty in the middle of the floor in these situations in that starting group to try to milk the most offensive potency out of it. Um, but again, there's going to be all sorts of ways Scotty's used, and I'm very excited to see all of them because, I mean, 
even in games where he doesn't look amazing, he's like hitting weird post floaters and uh, it's kind I like of. The move, I like the move on Vucevic early in that game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like he, he, he's got flashes basically every time he hits the floor, even when it's not going super smoothly. And I know there's some like concern about Scotty's preseason performance or whatever. I just could not be less concerned. He's going to be fine. It's the preseason. Who cares? Um, let me ask you, Jamar, what's the second thing you've learned? Did we overlap in the things we've learned? No, no, we didn't All right. this time. Carry on. Um, then. This, is, this is going off something Fred said at the end of the game in, uh, in the pressers. Um, and him and Kyle Lowry have a lot of parallels where, mm-hmm. um, if you remember Kyle's first All-Star season where he had to carry the team because DeMar went down, I think DeMar mm-hmm. missed more games that season than any other season. And by the end of the season in 2015, Kyle was broken down. He had nothing left for the playoffs, similar to last season when Fred had to carry when Pascal was just coming back and then he had nothing left for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and then 2016, there was like a whole new emphasis for Kyle. He slimmed down. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was able to, you know, last longer in the season. Fred revealed that he's he has a new body. Mm-hmm. Um, what is exactly the difference i'm not <laughs> sure um he 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 himself said that he is not going to reveal that like he knows the difference but he's not going to reveal sure. that sure. but clearly there is a different approach coming into this season with fred which is makes me to believe that you know he's going to be managed differently that's my take yeah. um he's not going to lead the league in minutes per game because he did that last season with pascal at 37.9 minutes per game so i don't think that's going to happen Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at these uh, preseason minutes in the game in Edmonton, he only played ten. Um, he he rested the game against um, the Rockets, and basically, uh, like every box score, you look at the starters. Fred's playing the least minutes. Now, obviously, he's, he's going to get regular starters minutes, like yeah, like you know, thirty-two, thirty-three, something like that. But I think he's just going to be managed a lot differently. He's just he kept reiterating, talking about this new body, and he's, you know, he's testing, you know, he's testing out the wheels, and, you know, he feels good and stuff like that. And defensively, he's been his normal self during this preseason. You know, he's been, yeah. he's been, he's been the pest that we're used to. He had five steals against Chicago. I remember the possession, um, the fir- in the first game against Utah, where he only played ten minutes, but remember that possession where he was locking down Colin Sexton near half court and. Mm-hmm. And Sexton mm-hmm. lost the ball out of bounds, and you know Fred was hyped up, and even Sexton had to give a little bit of a smile. So it's good to see, because remember, remember in the playoffs, Fred couldn't really move. No, he's busted. So yeah, it just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't so it's yeah. it's good to see Fred being that pest again on the defensive side. He's another guy that you know you were mentioning. Okay, yeah, he's not shooting great from three, but I mean right now, but like who really cares? But yeah. there's uh. <laughs> Fred, Fred's clearly talking about, and he said it so himself that you know there's more of an emphasis of him being at his best in April, May, June. He said that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's my second takeaway that I, I really believe Fred is gonna be managed differently, and that plays into um, the great play of Banton. Yeah. You know, that allows maybe Banton steals a couple of couple of his minutes that allows for that to happen so i think that kind of ties together 
Yeah, I, I think for sure. Like if Banton gives you the green light to play Fred 32 minutes a night and you can just roll with a straight backup, obviously Pascal's going to play some backup minutes. Scotty's going to play some backup minutes. But also, I think I like the idea of maximizing the time that those two guys play with Fred as well because those right. are the two best vessels by which you can get Fred working off ball. And I feel like the staggering is going to be fascinating this season to see how that all kind of pieces together because the the five starters are all going to want their stretches of games, I think, to sort of, you know, put their imprint on it. And how Nick Nurse kind of gets those guys to those stretches will be really interesting. But uh, yeah, I think Banton is uh, is a huge piece in this. Like, it, had he not played this well in the preseason, I feel like we're probably looking at, man, they really need some point guard play out there. I guess Fred's got to play 38 minutes again because, like, <laughs> how else are they going to have competent point point guard play? But yeah, I feel really good about them, like learning from what happened last year. And maybe we should have expected they would learn all along because the franchise has exhibited a capacity for learning when things go wrong with guys and how they've managed them and sort of adapting their plans for them year by year. So maybe it's not a surprise that they're looking to take a little bit more of a careful approach with Fred this season, but it's certainly heartening to see uh, considering just the shell of a man he was down the stretch last season. I'm fascinated to know what his new body is though. Like, did he get bionic yeah. hips or something? Yeah, he, How can I get it on this new body, my garbage <laughs> body that I have to prop up with a little block in the back of my chair here? Cause I'm a monster with a horrible posture. Like, uh, yeah. How do I get that new body? That would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he teased that. He really teased that. And then, you know, mm -hmm. follow questions. It's like, when you, when you say new body, what do you mean? It's like, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. But you know. <laughs> so, Stenozolol, right? I didn't, so, so, I'm, not, I'm not accusing him of that. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah. I, just Beefcake Fred coming out with enormous, uh, like, Barry Bonds muscles. That would be a pretty fun development as well. Uh, we're going to continue on, round out with the final things we've each learned about the Raptors from the preseason. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks who are making daily fantasy sports both easy and fun. You got to check them out. You can choose multiple players from multiple different sporting events and put them all into your daily fantasy lineup with prize picks. With prize picks, you just pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you against the projections. No shadow experts behind the scenes putting together some team that's impossible to beat, and they offer projections on any sport you can watch. This includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's basketball, women's basketball in college as well, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf. Disc golf! You can bet on disc golf. Put your money down. Go do it. Uh, you got cricket, Euro basketball, everything else right there at your fingertips with prize picks. It can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and it offers safe and fast withdrawals. It's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada, baby. Go right now. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com uh, to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's if you deposit 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks for free in your account as well. Same if you put 50 bucks in, you get 50 bucks for free. It's a 100% match. That is awesome. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of $100 on prize picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listener of the day, digging into what we've learned about the Raptors so far in the NBA preseason. Uh, you let me go first last time, Jamar. I will let you uh, go first as the gracious host that I am. You can go first with the thing you've learned here, what you got for thing number three. I don't know if this is something that I've learned throughout these four games or just a realization, but I just like the continuity. The mm-hmm. Raptors are returning the most players from uh, compared to any team in the NBA. Um, if you remember last year, year one of the uh, Vision 6-9 or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of guys didn't know, especially defensively, where to go, like the, yeah. the philosophies. It was very frustrating for Nurse to begin the season, you know, and then, you know, they, they figured things out as, as the season went along. And this year, there doesn't seem to be a lot of figuring out. It's just more mm-hmm. of a tune-up. People kind of know what they need to do. Sure, there's, you know, things to tinker with, whether it be bad minutes or how to use Scotty in the offense and stuff like that. But I just like the continuity now compared to past seasons. And this is a this is the first normal preseason in quite a while. Because yeah. last year, last year, we were trying to figure out who the number one option was because Pascal was out. Remember, sure. we were we were um, we were, the Raptors were tinkering with OG in that role. He was mm-hmm. working on his one on one moves, and then you know he got hurt pretty early in the season. So, if you did the year before that in Tampa, everything's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the year before, yeah. the year before that, Kawhi just had had just left. Yep. So, you know, we're trying to trying to figure out, okay, who's going to step up? Um, remember, Fred and Norman Powell were battling for the two-guard position. You know, who's going to play mm-hmm. the two, which Fred ended up winning. And even the year before that, we just got Kawhi. Um, there was a battle for the fourth position where, you know, pa- Pascal beat up. I can't even remember who he beat up for the OG. Fourth. Pascal and OG were going for it. Oh, they were? Okay, so yeah. yeah. So it, it, it just it, – this just feels like the first – season since DeMar's last year where it's mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of questions it's yeah. just more of you know people know what they're doing and just getting ready for the season like even yeah. guys like Precious this is his second year where you know last year there was times where it felt like he was doing too he was trying to do too much at, at times and now he's just so much more comfortable and like that that started at the uh, second half of last season where he was just so much more comfortable in all facets so mm-hmm. i just i just like the continuity that's going on right now and they're going to need it because obviously the beginning of the season where you got like cleveland philly twice miami twice what like they're going to be tested brooklyn right atlanta away. yeah it's yeah tough. they're going to be yeah. t- tested right away you're not you're not you're not seeing utah to begin the season <laughs> So, so I, I, I like the continuity. Hopefully that gets them, you know, that gives them a leg up it, it, against these tough teams in the uh, beginning of the season. But yeah, that's just, that's my, that's my third takeaway. That's a really good one. And, you know, it, it is a little bit of an extension of a theory I've posited on this show before, and it's very difficult to prove, but I've kind of always gotten the, the sense that when Nick Nurse has a team, if you ever give him like five, six straight games with the same group of players without injury or illness or whatever, taking some cog out of the rotation, 
they tend to start getting it together and they usually go on a run. Like that's just kind of the way that it's been with Nick Nurse. And this feels just like the bigger sort of season to season version of that, where 92% of last year's minutes are coming back. The one guy you have to incorporate is Otto Porter Jr. And he feels like a pretty easy dude to incorporate into what you right. do. And it probably will lead to, I think, a bit of a quicker start for the team. And just sort of, even if they don't pick up wins necessarily, you know, if they don't go 7-0 and through this stretch, I don't think that's bad by any means. Right. They can go 2-5, and but I still think you could look at the team and they are looking better and sort of more in tune and in sync than they were at the start of last season. And yeah, it should translate to some wins early on, I would think, especially considering some of the teams they're playing will be teams kind of going through the exact opposite, right? The Nets are like the anti-Raptors when it comes to continuity and normalness. The Cavs are incorporating, you know, Donovan Mitchell and getting used to a new sort of setup there. It's uh, It should be a pretty big asset for the team, I would think. And it's, People uh, are going to panic one. if they go 2-5 and five to start the season, though. Oh yeah, people are. Little <laughs> yeah, remember they were nine and thirteen last year at one point, and they went forty-eight and thirty-four. It's going to be That's fun. True. They also were two and eight to start that, uh, or two and ten was it to start the Tampa season, and were yeah, above five hundred when everyone yeah. got sick. Yeah, they right. tend to figure things out. Um, my last thing that I learned has to do with the guy who was not on the team last year that I just mentioned, Otto Porter Jr. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a concerning thing, I guess. I think he's going to be extremely important and maybe too important for my liking. Like the the shooting that he's going to provide is like so tried and true. You're hoping that you get Precious Achua bouncing back to the form that we saw in the back part of last season. You're hoping Chris Boucher could find a happy medium between Tampa where he was at 39% and last year where he was at 29%. You're hoping that, you know, Scotty Barnes can kind of uptick or Pascal Siakam can see some improvement in the three-point department. You know, all of those are ifs and buts. Otto Porter is a very good shooter, but the degree to which he's going to miss games this season, you would assume it's going to be a thing. Like, he's never played full seasons, or at least not recently. He's had injury stuff. It's been something he has to, he's had to manage and talked about. And so I, I am a little worried that these sort of in-between lineups are going to be so dependent on Porter. And I found myself just wanting to see Porter in some of these looks so badly just to see what it would do to add that little extra bit of space. And I'm a little worried that they're going to be too dependent on Otto Porter Jr. to make those lineups sing. And he's going to miss probably 25 games just because that's what Otto Porter does. Are you at all concerned? Am I just being like a red flag alarmist here with the whole no, Otto Porter thing? No, you bring up a good point. And along with Porter, you know, normally in a season, OG misses a handful of games. So you mm. hope for help for him as well. And mm. when you when you talk about a guy like that that spaces the floor because the Raptors are shooting twenty four percent from three in the preseason, which is not good. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give it like a right now, I'd probably give it like a four. Mm-hmm. And then you know, if what you're saying comes true it could go up to like a seven or something but <laughs> but no it's 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 something it's something to put in the back of your mind yeah yeah he he tends to miss chunks of gains here and there mm-hmm. and his role you know he's going to probably be probably going to be a guy that needs to that's going to have to you know figure out nurses schemes and stuff like that so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think they're going to shoot 24% as a team, even in the games no. reporters not available, right? Like, they're shooting horribly in the preseason because it's the preseason, and this is the time to shoot horribly. This is the time to make mistakes, so you don't do it when the games matter most. Um, and, like, they weren't that bad of a three-point shooting team last season, even though they weren't no. very good at it. Like, no one's 24%. They're going to be fine there. They're going to be whatever. But Porter does feel like this sort of secret weapon they have where... Basically, any lineup, it feels like you could swap Porter in for any player on the team, and it would just sort of, oh, that's a little interesting. That kind of changes the shape of the lineup a little bit, and that makes it pretty interesting to me. Like, it's, uh, you know, I, I hope it's not something they are super reliant on, but it, it, it might just be that I want to see him play with these guys too, right? It might just be a yearning type of thing, and it may be less of a, a giant concern, but something that I got my eye open on a little bit. Um, you mentioned OG. I want to ask you, this isn't one of the things we've learned necessarily, but I'm curious of your thoughts on OG's preseason. There have been some like rough shooting lines and whatnot, but I kind of feel like the pops have been very loud and very exciting. Um, you know, he's had a couple of, you know, pull-up J's kind of with step backs and whatnot looking pretty good. The defense has been pretty horrifying if you're on the other end of it. Uh, where are you at with OG in his preseason? Yeah, I just asked that Levine. How many times did you block him in that game? <laughs> but um, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like with OG, he's one of those guys like you mentioned before, like Pascal and Fred. That were just like, okay, we 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 know we know what you are, and mm -hmm. it's just you know, wait till the regular season. Um, I feel like he's got. I feel like he's gotten a lot of good looks that haven't gone down, mm -hmm. and you know, I. I at this point, I think we kind I think we kind of know what OG is. I don't expect him to play like an all-star. I expect him to be that super important role player that that can drop anywhere from 15 to 20 and knock down a few threes and lock down somebody on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's what OG is. Yeah, it, it does. It, it feels like the defense we've seen from him has a little bit more menace to it than it typically does. And like he's a menacing okay. defender always, but like he's been like smothering for stretches of this preseason. And it's the preseason, you know, all the grains of salt. But I do wonder if maybe we're kind of seeing again. I am with you. I don't think we need to see him be like an on ball. Yeah, like all defense wing. potential is what you're saying. One hundred percent. Like he's he's flashing like the all defense potential that he's shown like he should have been an all-defense player in 2019-20 but that's besides the point mm -hmm. um like he's like he's flashing it and, and like the offense looks a little bit you know there's just some like interesting things going on there even if i don't think he's going to be the primary on the team or anything like that i do wonder if maybe there's a little bit more in terms of just kind of refining the role and him succeeding in that role more sort of efficiently and that the end result there is a pretty damn fantastic player. Very excited about what we've seen from OG, even with the missed shots. The other stuff, the process-related stuff has been awesome, I thought. Uh, all right, let's uh, round that there. Thank you so much, Jamar, for hanging out. This was great. As always, love having you on the show. Where can people check out all your great work? Uh, check out my handle below me, Jamar BH. I have uh, a link to my Raptors Republic stuff there, where I've been doing more work there. Recently, um, and I'm going to be posting previews, recaps all season long. So, yeah, that's where you can check me out. Hell yeah. We love Jamar. You're doing a great job. Uh, really love reading your stuff over there at Raptors Republic. Uh, and go support our friends at Raptors Republic. They are a subscription-based site now, and uh, a lot of their content's going to be behind a paywall. And that's good because it means that they can earn some money for their wonderful staff of writers over there to help th keep the site going. We love Raptors Republic. Their people are on these podcasts all the time. And so uh, go support Raptors Republic any way you can because we love the crew over there. Jamar, very much included. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe 
subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. We're also on YouTube, where you can subscribe and watch the video feed of the show each and every day. We'll be back again tomorrow. Our pal Katie Heindel is going to swing by, and uh, we don't even know what we've got cooking up yet just yet, but it'll be fun because Katie's on the show. Of course, preseason finale on Friday as well. Uh, lots of stuff to look forward to this week as we are now just uh, eight days away from the start of the NBA season and the Toronto Raptors season. It's all very, very exciting, and uh, we'll round it there. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 